Welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. My name is Mike Chisholm, and as always, I like to take you through this uh, conversational adventure through talking about men's mental wellness with all sorts of different people. I'm excited to be here. I'm always excited to do this. It's the highlight of my week to come in here and and uh, shoot one of these podcasts and talk uh, about where we're at uh, as a company, where we're at uh, as a movement, and where things are at in the world of mental wellness. If you haven't downloaded the He Changed It app yet, what are you waiting for? Come and grab it. Go to either one of the app stores, search up He Changed It. You will find it. The app is called He. Download it. It's free. Tons of resources, all sorts of cool stuff being added to it. If you like the topics in this podcast, if you like the podcast uh, for any reason whatsoever, we invite you to share it. We invite you to subscribe to it uh, and then share it. Uh, leave comments, that kind of thing. We have a community within the He Changed It app where we talk about uh, the podcast as well. And uh, I'm just really excited to see the growth of where everything is going. So yeah, thank you very much for, uh, we've been here doing this for about a year now already. Got 60 something episodes under our belt during a pandemic and we're just getting started. Today, uh, I'm having another amazing interesting, insightful conversation with an interesting, insightful individual. His name is Ben Gurner. He is, um, well, I mean, he is a counselor, but more on a retired side of, he doesn't do it as a day job anymore. He is now more considered an advocate. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a facilitator of, fam- of a family group um, and has a lot to say on the subject specifically of substances, um, substance abuse, the uh, misconceptions with substances and um, really has a heart for wanting people to uh, understand the truths about these things. And, um, you know, is part of the uh, mom stop the harm uh, uh, group, which we will talk to him about. And we'll, this is our first actual podcast talking to somebody uh, from, from that group or a part of that movement. And uh, the first of many, we've got a lot of people coming up who are going to be uh, guests on HeCast about that. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Ben Gurner. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down with our audience and explain uh, who you are and what you're doing and some of these misconceptions when it comes to substances. Oh, my honor and my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, no worries, man. No worries. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of what you're doing right now, uh, you were a count. You were a, a decade-long counselor. Was there an area that you specialized in along the way? Was it always family? Uh, was it always substances? Or, you know, where did you uh, where did you go in your journey as a counselor? So uh, I've actually been in it for about thirty years, over thirty years. Wow. Um, and I started uh, working with youth, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so we worked. Uh, uh, I worked on the island for a couple of years, working with uh, youth in foster care, difficult, difficult, uh, delinquent, all the old language. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, sort of went on with my own life at that time, uh, went on the road as a wannabe rock star, but that didn't work out too well. <laughs> <laughs> I came back and, and I, I uh found a job uh, at a detox on the prairies yeah. uh, just sort of entry level and decided, Hey, this is, this is uh, in my late twenties, this is, you know, what I want to continue to do in my life. And uh, so I went to university and got my degree in social work and uh, in Kelowna here. And, and as I did that, I started working with youth through the boys and girls club uh, at the time. Yeah. And, uh, mostly street entrenched, you know, the ones that were street involved and high risk and, and, 
you know, sort of moved on from there into uh, something called parent-team mediation, uh, trying to reconnect people with, in fact, that was the name of the program, Reconnect, uh, with Reconnect Youth and Parents, uh, Youth and Families. Um, so about 15 years I worked with youth. Uh, I moved on specifically into, into addictions with youth um, through ARC programs, which was a great, uh, great organization and, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and learned a lot. So, so, you know, a lot of my education not only came from school, but, you know, from hands-on working with kids and working with their families. I'll right? tell you, I gotta, I gotta ask you when you when yeah. I stop you on that, like, um, I assume that the book learning and the classroom learning, uh, a lot of that stuff can go out the window once you start with that hands-on stuff, I would assume. How I describe it for me, my experience of that was I had a lot of experience before I went into school Yeah, because I worked with youth and whatnot before yeah. that. And what university did was help put context to what I was doing. Okay. It helped me understand, oh, that's why I did that. That's why that didn't work. That's why, you know, those kinds of things. Right. So, so it developed context and opened a lot more doors in terms of uh, the kind of work that I could do gave me a lot more tools yep. to use. It's it's like going to the hardware store and buying your tools and coming home and then you learn how to use them. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, that's um, in a nutshell. That's, that's how I would describe that for sure. So um, if there was one thing you wanted, because I mean, we got dads that listen to this podcast as well. Uh, moms for that matter too, but it's mostly a male audience. If there was one thing that when it comes to teenagers, I mean, you're talking about um, a wide variety of issues, um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, as these kids are are in that process, moving towards being an adult, you've got all these biological changes, you've got all these emotional changes, these hormonal changes that are happening. And I mean, I think it's safe to say that every, every kid goes through their own, uh, their own journey. However, there's got to be some big, broad strokes. If there was any kind of tips or advice or, or things that you would throw out there uh, to help people as they go through and help support these creatures, these young creatures that we, 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 we care about so much, yeah. moving to the next level, what would that be? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, is of course, what I'm doing right now is trying to support families, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, and, and this I learned very quickly as I was doing parenting mediation. Parents or families do the absolute very best they can do with what they know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But they don't know everything. And that's not a, a, a shot or, 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 you know, put down or anything. No. We, we don't. We learn. We, le we always learn something new, right? Yeah. And, you know, many families, many parents feel like they don't know everything, but they won't admit it sometimes. But, uh, you know, but that's my, my, the biggest thing is families do the very best and they need, and they need to learn. Right. So, so they need to get, for instance, around addictions or substance use in general, not just addictions, but, you know, the whole spectrum is learning about uh, substance use in its, truest form rather than what our society has labeled it as. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. I would like to go down that path with you for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but if I'm hearing you right, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we all take, we all take advice or we all hear advice from well-meaning sources. Yeah. You know, I, I, I use this example when it comes to finances all the time, you know, many times we're given advice from well-meaning people who haven't made it financially. They've just kind of given your, given them, uh, you a perspective from their uh, journey so far. But at yeah. the same time, if I'm hearing you right, you know, um, be, if you're, if you're a family, uh, if you're in charge of a family or a part of a family and there's something going on, don't just go by your experience, but actually uh, be willing to learn uh, from people who have been through it, from people who teach about this stuff, from people who are more, um, more down that rabbit hole a little bit other than our, um, you know, uh, our, our, our kind of topical lived experience. Does that make sense? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Well, I'm saying, yeah, I think in most, most, in most part, the, uh, I'm always cautious with lived experience. Lived experience can teach us a lot of things about what people are going through, how they feel, you know, what they, what they see, what I see from my lived experience, right? My, my experience always, I guess, colors a little bit of, of what I do, right? Sure. So, so I have to recognize what my lived experience does. The, this problem with that, for lack of better ways of saying this, is that some people think their lived experience is the be-all and end-all. Yes. And that's not okay. That's where education is really handy. Yes. <laughs> so, so I always caution people when they listen to people with lived experience, because yes, that's how they feel. Absolutely. They were betrayed. They're terrified or they're, you know, all sorts of things that, that they go through. Absolutely. Everybody goes through that. Sure. What they did about it may or may not have been effective. Yes. You know, so, so we have to, you know, educate ourselves and all of that. And I use that same approach with youth. If, Cause I want to go back to, I don't want to just look like I'm blaming families. No, because, no, not at all. Um, you know, because what I would say about youth, if you're looking for that first question of one size fits all, I guess, for lack of better ways mm-hmm. is um, youth. I guess let's go back to family youth need structure, even though they don't like structure, they do need structure because it provides them a safe environment. Yeah in order to grow uh, in ways that, that, and and draw them out. Right. Yes. So, so that's what education is supposed to be about is to help draw those youth up. So my thing for youth is, and for parents comes right down to one word, listen, Yeah. listen and don't interrupt. (laughs) And that goes for both, I guess, if that makes sense. Two ears, one mouth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And easier said than done many times. Um, I'm sure we're going to get more into this as we get into to, to your story. I want to talk about Mom Stop the Harm uh, as an organization. So, so, and I want to I want to maybe connect the dots to you went through your your counseling practice and the evolution of that, and Mom Stop the Harm came along later on, right? Oh, much, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, along, and I want to get to that because because okay. you know the the, the misconceptions about substances. Um, is, is really important nowadays. And I think that we're at a turning point where you're seeing governments actually starting to pay attention to this right now. It's an unprecedented time and place. And I want to get to that. So can we maybe move to um, oh, you your career as a counselor? 
and have evolved to where you are right now. Let's let's maybe uh, paint that picture a little bit. We'll we'll jump jump to now. <laughs> Time travel. Um, yes, yeah. So after working with youth, I did start working with with adults as well as youth. Actually, a big job for me was in 2007 to 2010. I was uh, my title was crystal meth or, or sorry, stimulant abuse counselor. So I had specific There's a hell of a business card right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what that provided me with was a lot of time to do research on that, yeah. which helped me learn much more. It really uh, uh, opened my mind to addiction and what it is and, and how it functions, and the operations. Anyway, I won't go into that right now, but mm-hmm. um, great, uh, a great uh, opportunity. It also brought in a new opportunity for me for community uh, presentations yes. because of the crystal meth peak or crisis back in the day. Right. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of community, community uh, presentations at the time, which turned me onto that. Right. Right. Being a wannabe rock star. I found my niche in terms of doing presentations. Yes. Um, yes. So it was a presentation. There's a long story in there, but there's a presentation that I developed and started. I don't, I won't say marketing, but trying to promote, yeah. Getting awareness for it. Yeah. Yeah. On the war on drugs. It was inspired by a book called by Johan Hari called Chasing the Scream. I really recommend it for everybody yeah. um, to learn about the history of, of how drugs became illegal and how that has impacted. Like I said in the beginning, how that has impacted how we believe and do the things and develop the policies that we develop now based on racist ideas yep. developed a hundred years ago in the States. Yes. And in Canada. Yes. So, um, so I was doing that presentation. Um, and that's, and- that's a hell of a deep rabbit hole. Like, I mean, if we're going from, there's all sorts of things that are uh, from, from when marijuana became illegal um, as to the, oh, yeah. as to how that happened and the, and the, the root of the word all the way to when you look at sentencing laws uh, in the eighties, uh, between, uh, uh, powder cocaine and crack cocaine, uh, we're talking like this, that's an expansive topic right there. Oh, huge. Never huge. mind the misconceptions as to what drugs actually do to people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a huge topic for sure. And, and yeah. it's unfortunately not a topic that the majority of us know about. Yes. Right? It's just coming out really. Would you and, say that we as a populace are, um, would it, is it safe to say that we are the victims of propaganda when it comes to this subject? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can go into that uh, at the moment or, or if you want to wait to, to go into that part of it. Um, <laughs> because, it, well, because you were asking about mom stop the harm. That's why. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. And I mean, yeah, I think it's all going to be related and it's all going to come. Oh, yeah, for sure. Beautiful puzzle. Uh, sure. That we're, doing here. we're just talking about different pieces of it right now. Mom Stop the Harm is very, very uh, uh, on board on the same page with, you know, how the war on drugs has impacted us. And their whole mandate and agenda right now is, is to, to work on certain, certain goals we can talk about in a few minutes. Yes. Uh, but what happened was when I was working with adults in 2016, well, actually earlier than that, but in 2016, one particular client passed from an overdose. 
that I was closely working with and with his family. And, you know, I, I, it, that one hit me for some reason. You know, I mean, a lot of them hit me, but of course that one did too. And, and, um, and of course it hit the family. Right. And, and anyway, you know, we lost contact for a while from Mm -hmm. the family and whatnot, Mm -hmm. I guess naturally so. But I was doing my presentation on the war on drugs and the mom came into that presentation and was there. And she told me afterwards about mom stopped the harm and what they were doing. And, and she said, you know, we're on the same page, basically. I can't remember the conversation. But mm-hmm. Basically, we ended up agreeing. Yeah, we're both on the same page. We both know a lot about the war, drugs, that kind of thing. And it was very soon after she invited me to join mom stop the harm at by the time I retired, I had lost, well, I'd lost count, but I was, I had stopped counting at about 40 losses within my caseload, right? God damn, what does that, what does that do to you? Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm still feeling that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean. I, I, I had to. Yeah. And that's a, that's a whole other issue we could talk about is, you know, post-traumatic and, and, yeah. and trauma and those kinds of things. But we'll leave that aside because it's really affecting, you know, frontline workers right now. But yeah. uh, but anyway, so so the mom and I got together, um, you know, in terms of, of the organization and she invited me in and I started getting involved in the advocacy and stuff. And it just really, really, really um loved it you know i loved working with it um to be honest i hate hearing their stories you know uh, if we have a meeting i have to prepare myself because these are all moms and dads that have lost children and you know it's an you know it's not just a business meeting that we have We, we it's emotional yes and so i have to myself i have to you know put my stuff in one corner and, and be ready to get affected by their stuff. And, you know, and, and, uh, but we support each other and, and, and I think, you know, I get mushy here. I think we kind of love each other, you know, and in, at least in, in common ground. Right. You know, um, and we well, love what- this and it's, it's, we see it every day. We hear about it every day. Um, literally every day. If you wanted to hear about it, if you wanted to hear about somebody being lost, to overdose, uh, to drug abuse, to these things, you could hear about it every single day, multiple times. And, and I, I think the vast majority of us turn a blind eye, blind eye to it. And you're telling me and telling our, 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 uh, our audience about a group of people who are not turning a blind eye and who are actually looking pretty hard at a site and dealing with something that is not the easiest thing to look at. Yeah. I think, um, you know, as you said, you probably, you're, I know you're having some of the other members on for, for their podcast. So yeah. I'll let them do the details. But what I can say is that, you know, the, the, the organization has grown from about six people in 2016 that I know of. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Yep. Um, including that mom that I talked about. Yep. Um, to well over 3,000 now in Canada. Yeah. It's 2016. Think about that for a second. Absolutely. Right. You know, 3000 families that are belonging to this organization, over 7000 deaths 
uh, and and counting like hundreds every you know well, more than more than 20 every day anyway and uh, folks who want to look up Mom Stop the Harm, just Google Mom Stop the Harm. You'll see the organization and what they're all about, um, and uh, and and what they're what they're doing about it. And yeah. and again, that proactivity is just um, astounding to me. And and sometimes inspiration comes in the form of tragedy. And if you want to if you want to talk about a group that's inspirational, this is a group to to talk about. Um, and heartbreaking Courageous. stuff, heartbreaking stuff. Yeah, the the courage and resolve and rage, yeah. you know? Yeah. This group is getting angry at the government. <laughs> what are they getting angry about? Um, so, the, you know, this leads into, you know, the sort of the bottom line of what we're looking for. Yeah. We're looking for decriminalization and for safe supply. Yeah. To, to sort of sum it up in a small complex sentence. <laughs> so when you say decriminalization, so, uh, you know, we've got a wide variety. We've got 13 or 14 countries that listen to this, uh, this broadcast. Um, so let's give some context. So in Canada, we've had marijuana decriminalized um, down in the States when it comes to uh, state issues, things like that. I know the state of Oregon has just made a move to decriminalize uh, substances, all substances, I believe. Um, you know, there are different countries around the world that have, have experimented with this. When it comes to decriminalizing drugs, what are we talking about here? And if, if, if there are some main key points as to why uh, you think that that's important, what would those be? So um, there's a difference between decriminalization and legalization. Okay. So marijuana was legalized. So right. marijuana can now be sold in stores. You can have, you know, there is a cap on your possession, but, you know, same, I guess alcohol, there isn't a cap. Is there? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> you can buy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there is a cap on, on how much marijuana you can grow, that kind of thing. So it is regulated um, and it is publicly sold. Right. right? Um, so that's legal. Okay. It's not illegal to sell marijuana it's you know it's you can have a store so you must have pounds and pounds of it somewhere right sure. you yep. know, right so so that's that's legal that's and that's in this social network that's in the social fabric yes which is always has been but now it's just legal <laughs> right so decriminalization drugs are still illegal okay yes decriminalization um and and that's even complex. So Vancouver, let's take Vancouver, for instance, they've applied for decriminalization in their region or in their uh, municipality or whatever. Yep. So what they've applied for is a form of decriminalization that, that some other countries, including Portugal, um, have implemented. And what that kind of decriminalization, decriminalization does is it's still it. it Drugs are still illegal to sell. Yes. But you can have a certain portion of drugs on your person for personal use. Right. Right. And you won't be, you won't be prosecuted for that. You won't be prosecuted in the criminal system. Right. But what will happen is if you, if you are caught in that system, as far as I understand it, and you have this certain amount of drugs, let's say you're at the cap, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, 
and again, this may differ a little bit. I'm not totally up on the legal aspects of this, okay. but what I understand of it, there you go, is that, you know, once you're caught with this, then you're directed, you're sanctioned, you're directed to go to maybe a drug court or maybe to like in Portugal, you go to a panel yep. where you, there's a social worker and a mental health worker or something, you know, along those lines. Right. Which just seems like a really great idea. Sure. You're still mandated to do, to go there. In there in Portugal, you don't necessarily have to follow through with their recommendations depending on the situation. Right. The way I, I could be wrong, but the way I understand Vancouver is that you have to follow through with the recommendations of whatever panel they set up or, or that kind of thing. Right. Now, don't forget, Vancouver hasn't gotten that yet. No, they're just, they're just submitting it. So, but they're idealized. They're idealized in the idea that when it comes to drugs, which are everywhere, um, the idea of treatment versus punishment is 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 uh, the direction that they are looking to go. And it's still kind of, you know, carving through the jungle where there is no pathway with a machete trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. But the overarching idea is a treatment versus a punishment scenario, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But that has its pros. Absolutely. We'd like to switch our thinking from, from criminalization. But what we've done is we've, we're switching from criminalization to medicalization. Okay. Okay. So now we've medicalized, which we're trying to do, get it into health. We've been doing that for years. We, it should be a health issue, not a, a criminal issue. But now we're learning as we consult with people with lived experience, as we brought up before. Yes. People who actually use drugs are saying, no, that's not the decriminalization that we want. And as 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 a counselor, I agree with that. Yep. Um, and as 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 a member of Mom Stop the Harm, which we're fighting for, we're hashtag decrim done right. Now, what hashtag that decrim means, done right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Decrim done right. What that means, um, in a nutshell, and there's more to it, obviously, but in a nutshell, means no sanctions, right. no sanctions, and no limits. The problem with the Vancouver model is providing limits, for instance, to the amount of opiates that you can carry. Okay. Okay. Most opiate users have such a high tolerance. What are we talking when we're talking opiates? Opiates, uh, heroin, fentanyl, uh, all all opiates. Okay. Yeah. Just blanket, right? Yeah. So there's a cap on, on all opiates, basically. That's what they're proposing. But what happens is the people that are that are struggling with the disorder, with opiate disorder, their tolerance is far above that cap. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and you hear this. You hear this for people who. Yeah. Um, I, I well, I'll give you an anecdotal uh, uh, situation where you hear about this when it comes to tolerance, and I think that there's a, a big misconception when it comes to tolerance. So you've got somebody who is a heavy heroin user with the tolerance that you're talking about kind of sky high. Um, and then they get clean for lack of a better term. That's the term that they use. They get clean for a few years and then one night they slip off and they go back to what they knew. And then immediately their, their biological system seizes on them because 
that tolerance is no longer so uh, and 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 they you know it comes to weaning people off and things like that it's a pretty complex issue it's not just trying heroin there's a there's a whole rabbit hole there isn't there oh yeah yeah okay. absolutely okay you know that's you can sort of relate that back to the 80s when the just say no campaign was on and how deadly that was yeah, my, hey that's my generation right there my generation yeah. uh, i can tell you we feel hoodwinked yeah. uh, we feel like the wool was pulled over and I, i'm not saying everybody i'm not saying all of us but i know i can count uh, definitely not on my fingers and toes. It's way higher than that of the number of people who I know personally uh, that I went to elementary and high school with that were told marijuana being a prime example, but all drugs also. Like, I mean, I think about psychedelics and what we were told about psychedelics versus what's happening now uh, when, as this information is coming out, psilocybin and, 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 and DMT and some of these things. Um, you know, what we were told in school is very different than the actual scientific reality. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the sort of propaganda thing. And there's a whole bunch of reasons behind that we can get into, we won't. But, you know, the propaganda was was there. It had its purpose um, and it, it pushed the lies, basically. Yeah. So basically, so back to Vancouver model, this yes. whole decriminalization thing, even the Portugal model is as great as it sounds, um, the Pivot Legal Society in Vancouver has actually interviewed people from Portugal, I guess, from, I gather from what they're, what they're writing about. Yep. And that's what they're getting from, from lived experience. And even in Portugal is that they're still being targeted on the streets. They're still being targeted by police, even though it's not a criminal offense, the police still have, um, for lack of better words, jurisdiction on, you know, Hey, show me your pockets. Right. And, and if this op opiate user has the appropriate amount for them. Yes. But over the cap, they're into the legal, they're a criminal. They're into the it's, legal. It's, yeah. Okay. Right. And they're so subject they, to punishment again. Exactly. Yep. And so it doesn't take the police out of the equation. And what we're trying to do to really decriminalize without sanctions, decrim done right is get the police right out of it. Right. You want this to be a health issue. And for me, I would say not just a health issue, a social issue, because there's so many other risk factors involved in how addiction develops, not just medical, right? All these social environmental things that happen. Right. So it's a medical and a social issue. They both have to be equally as, as strong. Medical has its role, but so does social. And we need we need to have that as strong, at least as medical. Well, so there's we, lots of moving parts here. And I mean, there's also yeah. the idea of, of, of the culture. And I mean, I think the culture has to do with the social, but uh, let's take the culture when it comes to the business of drugs. And, and, and I mean, you talk about all these black markets that are, that are out there because of the criminalization aspect yeah. of things. And, uh, and that creates other environments that, that affect the culture and the social part of it too. I guess that would all fall under social or. Yeah. It's yeah, a big issue. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've put a capitalist ideology to, to black market, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, and that's what ha what's happening. It's, it's functioning the way it's supposed to <laughs> as a market. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, which brings up that issue. Decriminalization will 
and legalization, actually ending prohibition, if we can look at it that way. Yeah. If we end prohibition of drugs. Yes. Then what we do is we take the power away from that organized business sector. Yes. We put it under regulated systems. Yes. Right. Probably the health system because it is a, a health concern. Yeah. In partnership with, with social systems. Yes. So we put it there. And like with alcohol, when you read about alcohol, when it was prohibited, there were overdoses with alcohol because people were adding toxic substances to the alcohol. Yes. Alcohol moonshine, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, all of the whatever shine, <laughs> you know, yep. you choose, right? I've made so, in the homemade stills that uh, where yep. the levels aren't just aren't right. Yep, exactly. And so everything was being done by people who don't have regulations, who don't maybe have the experience uh, of, uh, you know, don't have a degree in chemistry, you know, all of those kinds of things, right? So now look at us, we're in this epidemic of death because business is good, right? And, you know, and it's run by people who don't know what they're doing aside from business. Yes. They know their business. Let's make it stronger. Let's make it more uh, dependent. So people are dependent on it and we'll make more money from it. That all goes away if we legalize, right? In your opinion? Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. We're not seeing that yet with the, with the the market with, with marijuana. Many, many people are still accessing the black market for their, you know, they have their trusted dealers, that kind of thing. There's a lot of black markets still going on. Yeah. But of course, many more are not. Right. Right. So you now have a choice. If you want to choose a product that, you know, is not tainted, you know where to go. Right. Right. That's what's happening in Vancouver right now. For instance, let's move on to harm reduction a little bit. Yep. And safe supply. So in in Vancouver, they've actually got some vending machines now. They've got a program called MySafe. And they have vending machines <laughs> in, in place uh, where I, I don't know if you need it. I don't know enough about it. I think you need a prescription. Yeah. But- yep. You, you you put your prescription in there and you get your your the amount that, that you are prescribed. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's an, it's been a pilot project. It's been expanded now and uh, it, it's working quite well within a small population, unfortunately, but still it's, yep. it's working. Yep. It's a step. Right. So. Well, and that's kind of what needs to happen, right? Like, I mean, when the when the the legalization happens or the you know decrim done right, however it however it it gets sliced, however that happens, you've got to kind of let it breathe for a little while and figure out exactly the right places to go in a safe environment. Um, and and it sounds like that's what's happening down there with the, you know these ideas, these experiments that 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 folks are doing. But at the end of the day. Um, Safe to say, in your opinion, that what we've been doing over the last few decades has not been working. No, no. Has drug use decreased? Not that I'm aware of. Has crime decreased? No. Right? No. No. And those were the intended carrots that that criminalization uh, was, you know, putting in front of us as a a public. 
that, that 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 would happen. We would reduce crime, and you know, we would reduce the supply. Supply yeah. is certainly increased and become far more toxic. I, I think, and you, I mean, you add into it all the other stuff, like we don't have it here in Canada that I'm aware of in the same way that we don't have it in the States, but you look at the private, private prison system and the, the economy now that has been created, uh, that is, that, that, that is necessary, uh, for people using drugs. I, I forget the stats of, of people that are in private prisons due to drug offenses. Uh, yeah. but the stats are astounding. And, and when you, um, when you get, lobbies for businesses, and I say that businesses, it's a big business of incarcerating people. Um, boy, that sure shows that we've, we've, we've gone down a path and yeah. uh, undoing that path has a lot of domino effects as well. And, and I mean, I guess that's part of the uphill battle that you guys are facing as being advocates um, to do this. Yeah, it's a huge battle because it's connected to more than just drugs, right? When we go back to why they became decriminalized, the answer is race or perceived yep. race. Yep. Um, basically, in the States, when I talked about 100 years ago, the, the, uh, the fellow Harry Anslinger, uh, who was the sort of forerunner to the DEA, yeah. right? Uh, when prohibition ended, he had to, he had to create a job. So he did. He he created he created the propaganda around marijuana, right? And he would use the N word. Yep. He would talk about white women wanting to. Yep. Excuse my language, and, and I don't want to offend. No, anybody. we can swear on here. We're we're good. <laughs> okay. The man podcast. Goddamn. I don't want. I don't want to do do you know sound anything like racist at all. Yeah. But yeah. he was, and that whole propaganda, that whole campaign, was based on the fact that. Um, they couldn't control the black population yeah. at the time in the States. Yeah. Now let's bring it to Canada. What happened with opium in Vancouver after the, after the Chinese race riots, right? The very first move, I believe by McKenzie was let's uh, criminalize opiates. And this is convenient timing for what was going on south of the border too, right? We just kind of needed a reason all for it. it. All of it. Yeah. 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 All of it. When you look at, when you look at, um, you know, the Nixon era, you know, the term war on drugs yep. was termed at that point. I mean, it started long before then, but, but uh, okay. So Nixon can take, can take that credit if he wants, but. Uh, well, this is when uh, psychedelics, they went another level with that when they, when they criminalized psychedelics and things like that. Oh as well. yeah. They, yeah. They criminalized everything. Yeah. And. Um, to make a long story short, even uh, Ehrlichman, I don't know if you remember Ehrlichman, he was uh, chief advisor to Nixon yeah. at the time, and he was jailed for, for the, all his, I guess he was the fall guy or the patsy for the Nixon Watergate stuff, right? Yeah. And, um, but when he was released, they interviewed him, and he actually said, and you can look this up, uh, he actually said, did we know, you know, we couldn't fight black people. We couldn't fight hippies. You know, we couldn't fight students, but we could fight drugs. Yeah. So we made drugs illegal. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. We made drugs illegal so that we could actually break into their houses and arrest those people. And he, and he 
admitted it. Did yeah. we know did we know we were lying to the people? Of course we did. Quote. So wow. Based on racism, yeah. based on targeting certain people. And when you look at Canada's uh history, it's very similar. I don't have a, a uh, an Ehrlichman to show you. <laughs> no, but, but um, you know, you just have to read through our history or the, I don't know if it's taught in school like that, but you know, our real history and, and, and you'll see how race impacts. So there's a really big connection between race and decriminalization. And when you talk about prisons, you and I could talk, we could talk forever about this stuff. And you know what I, I um, Ben, seriously, uh, let's do this again. Uh, because oh, I think, I think we've got a million subtopics that we could get into here on this. And I'm glad that um, I'm glad that there are folks like you who educated folks, actually people who actually are looking at this, not just because of being advocates for the life experience, but also who are um, looking for a solution, looking for a better way. It's yeah. so good to hear about this. I want to talk about your group, what you are doing specifically. And if there's a call to action for folks that want to either get educated on this stuff or they want to be involved as advocates, um, or, you know, they're going through it in their own family, um, how they can deal with this stuff. So let's, let's kind of finish off talking about that. First off the groups that you have, things like that. So the group I have is called holding hope Kelowna. Yep. And uh, it's brand new. Basically it's not even a year old uh, across uh, the province. Um, and it's going across Canada. So, which is, which is great. I'm really happy for that because families, one thing that was missing in treatment programs and that kind of thing was family involvement. Yes. So, which we, we desperately need families to do. Remember what I said before, they're trying to do the best they can with what they know. Yeah. So let's provide them with an opportunity to share their feelings and emotions and experiences yes. and share some of the solutions and some of the, some of the do's and don'ts yes. of, of, you know, working, supporting someone you love, right? Yes. It's going through it. So that's what we do. We, we, we come, the, the group is mostly peer led. Yep. Um, and, you know, with people who are actually still going through, um, you know, the journey of, of working with a loved one. So a very, very peer based, very, uh, uh, what do you say? ground uh grassroots based <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know? well and that's not what he changed it is i mean that's that's exactly what we are is uh is 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 looking for how men can help other men you know our our whole thing is um uh, take something that you need and leave something that you know and you know we sharpen each other that kind of thing so you're speaking to the you're, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to the the the, the peer led the strengths of the peer led um opportunity here for solution that's that's a beautiful beautiful thing yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate how you said that, uh, you know, take something that you need and leave something that, you know, I, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do, man. Cause it's, it's about vulnerability and vulnerability is really tough sometimes when you need something, but when you have something, vulnerability is really easy. Cause you just give it, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's what the whole, uh, you know, candy and her whole team, um, when it comes to he changed it, our, our, our banking on uh, is is a place that guys can be vulnerable, and the yeah. gateway to that is leaving something that you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess my role in in my particular group, and there's a couple of others of us that have a lot of experience in terms of counseling and that kind of thing. It, yeah. it's not meant to be run by counselors. However, <laughs> here you we are. Have people keeping it on the rails. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am a counselor. So that's, and, and I was asked to run it because of my experience with families and that kind of thing. Yes. And my own lived experience. So that, you know, that's fine. Um, so again, back to my sort of primary goal is to make sure that people are sharing the right information. Right. Right. And, and, you know, there's lots of examples of that. I won't go into it, but, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of myths, yep. a lot of things that we've done over the years that, and the really important message here is your journey is going to be different than my journey. Right. And, you know, so what might work for you really well might not fit in my family. Yeah. I might have to do something a little bit different, yeah. but this is where, like you say, this is where we share those experiences and go, Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, or I can say, you know, what if you tried this? <laughs> you right. know, um, how did that work for you so far? Right. And what if you tried this? And, and, and that's how we share back and forth. Right. And they, they become emotional sometimes for sure. But well, it's, it's, um, and it's nothing but emotion. I and mean, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, vulnerable. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, here's terrified, terrified, terrified family members who are dealing with mostly adult children. Some have younger children, like teenagers, but mostly adult that are on the streets that are, you know, is their next use, their last use, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So there's so much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate there are men like you and women um, like Arlene and, and, and uh, the whole, the whole movement that's happening with mom, stop the harm. Um, I appreciate that people like you exist and uh, um, you know, our solution seekers, uh, you know, you've used the word so solution a few times and I, and I'm, I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of not focusing on the problem, but focusing on the solution. Um, we're, we're moving to where I told you it was going to go by fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so much that we could talk about. I mean, I, 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 on the off chance that we kind of got done early, so to speak, I was going to ask you about psychedelics and healing and psychedelics. I think that's another, that's a, probably another podcast down the line. Um, sure. But uh, at the end of the day, um, let's close up here in the, and in, in, in let's, let's focus on what do you want to uh, promote? So if we can promote people into your group and into to what's happening and a mom stop the harm, let's do hashtags and, and, and social media stuff and, and websites. So, because there are people that are, like you say, they're they're They've got a family member um, who's going through something like this. They're terrified. Can they themselves reach out, then bring their family with them? Um, what's the first step for people uh, who are, who are in this situation? Basically to, recognize that you can't do it yourself just like a person struggling with drugs needs support yeah that person the family member needs support yeah so reach out right that's absolutely reach out so you're talking about where how where can i reach out yeah one of the before mom stopped the harm i used to access a website called here to help bc here to help bc here to help bc works with uh it you know it has it works with the people that are struggling with drugs and it works with the people who are trying to support them. Okay. Right. So there's two different uh, streams on that website. And the beautiful and, thing about uh, the internet is you can go on that website from wherever you are hearing this. Absolutely. Yep. You can go on there and, and here to help BC. And it's, it's a really good website. There are some things on there that are dated, but I won't uh, 
I won't say don't consider them because again, everybody's journey is different. Sure. It's a great might jumping have, off point at least. And you'll learn some stuff. Might there say and what'll work for you and what will work Perfect. for you, right? Yep. So, so there's a list of stuff there and you look at it and like you say, you take what you need and, uh, and, and go from there. Yep. Momstoptheharm.com. Momstoptheharm.com. Yeah. Um, supporting not only if you've lost a loved one, they have healing hearts, which is a grief and loss group and yep. it's growing. Unfortunately it's growing, yeah. but, yeah. but it is fortunate. The good part of that is, is there's support there for people who've gone through the grief and loss. Well, the, the thing about it is it's growing because um, the awareness is there and the problem is so big and it needs to grow before it can shrink because it needs to grow to, to help cope with the staggering numbers that are happening. The group needs to be big and then it needs to shrink down. Right. Well, the group needs to be big. Yeah. So don't wait for your kid to die. Yeah. Before there joining, is. there it is. <laughs> so if that's yep. if that could be the main message, yeah, you know, because you know what you say is a group that needs to get bigger. Well, this is what we're trying to prevent. We don't yeah. want to get bigger. We don't want more people to die. No, absolutely not. But the problem is so like the awareness, the group, the group needs to be bigger just because of the awareness of what's happening. How many families are actually going through this without being part of groups like this? And they don't even know the support. And the problem is so big. And and that's how we need to awareness and education is what's going to be the silver bullet to, to tackling this. And a safe place, like you say, with with, with the men's group, safe place to come and go. (laughs) Yeah. Here's, here's what's going on. Right. You know, I need to cry about this. I need you to hear me cry about this. Yep. You know, all of those things, right? So that's the important thing about holding hope, Kelowna. And and there's all sorts of holding hope uh, groups around. There's holding hope Vernon. There's holding hope Penticton. There's about, I don't know, a dozen on the island or the island and the mainland. You know, uh, some uh, in the Kootenays. So wherever you are, holding hope, you know, is... Go to Holding Hope Canada. Yep. HoldingHopeCanada.com. Google Holding Hope Canada. You'll find it. Sure. You'm find it. Yep. Or go through MomStopTheHarm.com. You'll definitely find it through MomStopTheHarm.com. Right. And then you'll find your support. You'll find out what MomStopTheHarm is doing. You can become an advocate. Yep. Help change drug policy. You can get help and support. Uh, with your struggling loved one that's going yep. through and you can get help and support for grief and loss. And that, in that sense, yes, it's growing. And uh, the information that's being provided, we're, we're hyper-focused on evidence base, hyper-focused on, on harm reduction yeah, and all of those kinds of things. Um, retirement. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a new career for you. Yeah, I'm actually uh, finding myself. I got two pod, or not podcasts, but two two zooms today. I yeah. hold my group. My group is tonight, so um, that's usually an hour and a half to two hours. So, um, I'm a musician, so I'm constantly recording and writing. A lot of my songs are about this. And um, hey, are they available? There, I uh, have. A YouTube channel. Let's plug that, man. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So look up my name, Ben Gerner, G O E R N E R. G O E R N E R. Yeah, I had to. I asked him for his pronunciation just to make sure I had it right. G O E N E R. Yeah. That's cool. 
Um, so yeah, Ben Gurner's YouTube channel. My brother and I uh, do a lot of writing together, and so he's he's involved uh, in the majority of material that we write. And uh, but a lot of my songs are about, you know, yeah, I lost somebody years ago, and I wrote a song, and I've lost somebody uh, last year in my retirement, uh, someone I was close to, and I wrote a song, and and I've written songs all in between about you know mental health, you know. Uh, songs about hearing voices, songs about living on the streets, songs, you know, and songs about healing too, right? You're not, it's not all death and gore. <laughs> you know? This is so, uh, this is your outlet helping people. For this is your outlet from helping people find their outlet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I find writing just especially with grief. Yeah. You know, when I can write about it and then sing and have that process of, yeah. you know, chanting out the the the, the grief. You get it out. Yeah. Um, artists uh, in particular, um, if they can, if they lean into their art, whatever it is, whether it's professional or an amateur or whatever it is, when you lean into your art, I find that you're really, uh, you can really, uh, I'll probably avoid therapy because it is therapy. You know what I mean? Like you lean into that and you, you can really get out some of the stuff that, that, that gets piled up and it's a, it's a beautiful release. It is. It is. And uh, I mean, we could show that scientifically too, I'm sure, but uh, yeah. Down the road. <laughs> um, ben, I, 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 I hate to end this, but we're going to end it. And uh, I just want to say thank you. I'm so glad. Hey, and uh, I owe, I owe Arlene, uh, uh, you know, a cheers for, 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 for hooking us up and, and, and Wonderful lady, beautiful lady. Oh, it's going to be, we're trying to get her on here too. So um, that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. But at the same time, I just want to say thank you very much. I'm really grateful that we can use you as a resource. We're going to find ways to implement. I mean, we're just, we've just scratched the surface here with Ben and, and we're going to find ways to take your, your resources. And if we can put them in, he changed it. We're going to do that. We're going to explore uh, ways to do this here. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing, man. I just appreciate it so much. And thank you for taking time out of your day to be here. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And just one more little plug. Yes, sir. Uh, on my, on my Facebook page, I'm, I write weekly articles with another fella who's in mom, stop the harm. Yep. And, and we talk about family experience and what to do sort of our group, that kind of thing. Right now I'm, I'm immersed in writing articles about uh, a certain kind of therapy. So all of this is going out weekly. Okay, and and I try and share it to just local groups like, you know, Kelowna Community Forum and yep. you know those kinds of things, and uh, so watch for them. Uh, I guess is what I can say for now. I'm trying to expand that, but because I, I think the, the the articles talk a lot about what what the well, problem. Uh, we'll 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 talk to the powers that be, and maybe there's some ways that we can hijack and give you a bigger audience for that. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, okay, well, that's, well, that's my purpose, man. I want. All right, well, let's do it. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Yeah, um, we are certainly not. We're we're finished this podcast, but we're certainly not finished uh, with Ben Gurner and everything that he is doing and 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 the efforts and and I just um, am so grateful to have these types of conversations and have my consciousness expanded a little bit. I hope yours has been too. Uh, yeah. This has been another episode of HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. My name is Mike Chisholm. Go change something.